All right. Hey, once you've met someone, you can go ahead and take a seat, but only when you've met someone. Um, welcome. Hi, my name is Josiah. So glad you are here with us this morning. Welcome to the exchange. Uh, if you're new, I would love to meet you after and just say what's up. Uh, if you would, if you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 14. All right, John 14. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'd love to get you a Bible so you can follow along with us. But John chapter 14. This morning, we are actually beginning a new series today on the Holy Spirit, and I'm so excited about this uh, little short series uh, and just all that God will do. But before we get into that, let me share a couple quick announcements with you. So, um, we could really use some help serving in some different areas, and I want to like start off with this, with this. So, we could use some help when it comes to security. We're looking specifically for four people who'd like to serve on the security team, help keep our church safe, our kids safe. Uh, if that interests you, you can go to our website and click on the exchange, church.cc, go to serve, click on serve, fill out a form. Someone will get a hold of you within a couple of days. And also, kind of along those lines of protecting and looking out for others, we need some people in kids' ministry. We're also looking for four more people in kids' ministry. We're starting to open up like a little baby classroom. We have babies and toddlers together. We want to open up a baby's classroom in a couple of weeks. So if you'd like to just serve with babies and pray over babies and watch them and, you know, separate my three-year-old from the six-month-old, that's probably good for everyone. Uh, we would love for you to be a part of that. So go to our website, click serve. We could use some help. We'll get you background checked. We'll have you shadow someone, interview someone. Uh, we'd love for you to be part of this, but just want to make that aware we could really use some help when it comes to security and when it comes to watching over some kids. Cool? Sweet? Sound good? Hey, um, John chapter 14. I probably need to sit down because I'm just a little too excited for this one. Um, we are beginning our series on the Holy Spirit, and we're simply calling this Receive the Holy Spirit. It's something Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 20. He, sa- he looked at them and said, Receive the Spirit after, or yeah, in John 20, after he resurrected. He looked on them, he breathed on them, they received the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 1, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And what is the difference? And what does this look like? How does this work? We're going to take the next six weeks to kind of just talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. And I'm excited for this. I'm I'm intimidated by this. But let me kind of give you really quick a a six-week overview of this topic and what we're going to get over. So today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, just simply who he is, the person and work. The Holy Spirit. The person and work of the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit and salvation. Okay, how he saves us, how he sanctifies us, how he one day will be resurrected, have a new body, and how he's a part of that whole process of salvation. The Holy Spirit loves to make dead things alive. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, The third week, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit and day-to-day life. What does it mean when the Bible says walk in the Spirit? What is the fruit of the Spirit? And so we're going to look at the Holy Spirit and day-to-day life. The fourth week, we're going to look at the Holy Spirit and power. What does it mean when it says in Acts 1 that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall receive power? What does that mean? What does that look like? What is the purpose of all of that? And that really bleeds into the next week, which is the Holy Spirit and evangelism or mission. Why does the Holy Spirit fill us? Why are we filled with the Holy Spirit? Ultimately, to reach other people for Jesus. And then the 23rd, we're going to do the Holy Spirit in Christmas. And how is the Holy Spirit involved around the birth of Jesus? And to see how he was very proactive in John the Baptist's life before his birth and up until really the Jesus and the conception. So I'm excited to look at this the next six weeks. Um, so here's the first one today. We're talking about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? We would call this in theology pneumatology. <laughs> it's a big, all the big words have simple meanings. It's just the study of the Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? As I shared with you guys, I'm a little bit overwhelmed or intimidated by this one because we're going to talk about God the Spirit, the infinite God, 
by no means is this going to be exhaustive. By no means am I going to cover everything I want to cover. Um, we will constantly go, as we work through books of the Bible, we're going to constantly talk about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. But I, I do want to kind of focus in. And, and again, like I said, this is a little overwhelming. One author said this, I thought it was really good. His name's Bernard Ram. He said, to profess to know a great deal about the Spirit of God is contrary to the nature of the Spirit of God. There is a hiddenness to the Spirit that cannot be uncovered. There is an immediacy of the Spirit that cannot be shoved into vision. There is an invisibility of the Spirit that cannot be forced into visibility. There is a reserve of the Spirit that cannot be converted into openness. For these reasons, one feels helpless, inadequate, and unworthy to write, I would say, or speak a line about the Holy Spirit. I so agree. (laughs) There's a side of this where we're talking about God, the infinite God in the person of the Holy Spirit, and how do we do that? How do we do that in six weeks? And this, again, this will not be exhaustive, but my hope, my hope is that God will do something new in all of our lives. My hope is that this could be really fresh for us. I think if we all had to be honest, uh, we carry a lot of stereotypes and baggage when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit, depending maybe if you grew up in the church or maybe you're brand new or you've heard things or you've seen things on TV. Maybe you have certain stereotypes like, oh no, we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit. What's it going to be like? Josiah, don't let it get crazy in here. You know, some of you are like a little nervous. Like, don't worry, we only have a few snakes in the back, which is not many. Uh, I'm kidding. But like, some of you think about that, you're like, oh gosh, what does this look like? Others of you are like, just let me at it. Let me, I cannot wait. Unleash the topic of the Holy Spirit. You know, some of you are excited for it. And I want to just kind of approach this in a way that, how does the Bible talk about the Holy Spirit? And, and honestly, how, what did the disciples experience? What did the, er, the early church experience? How do we be a church that still walks in the power of the Holy Spirit? How do we view the Holy Spirit the way Jesus talked about him? And how do we just embrace them in our day-to-day life? I mean, just in case you are new, we, we just finished the Gospel of Mark. We as a church just started going through Mark from January through last week. Spent like 10 months in the Gospel of Mark, talking about the person of Jesus, who he is, what he did, uh, what he claimed, how he died, how he rose again, how he's our substitute for our sins. And the question is, okay, that was 2,000 years, that was 2000 years ago, now what? So, so now what? Like, how do we walk with God? How do we have intimacy with God? How do we be the church? How do we walk this out? And the answer really is the Holy Spirit. That's how we be the church. That's how we walk this out. That's how we evangelize. That's how we do everything we do. And it's something where, again, like, I want to be a church that we're just desperate for the Spirit, that we realize we are in need deeply for Him and for His work. I don't want to assume things. I don't want to take my personal experiences and make that Bible. I I do want to know Him, though. And I do want to walk in the power of the Spirit. And so I'm just going to ask that for a lot of us, maybe you do need to set down certain, whether stereotypes you have, things you maybe grew up with, maybe experiences you had, and just say, can we come to this with an open heart, open mind to the word of God and let God's word direct us in the person of the Holy Spirit? And ultimately, ultimately, my desire is not that we just grow in knowledge of him, but that we would experience him, that we'd walk in the power of the Spirit. And that is something that I want to happen individually and collectively. And here we, here's what Jesus calls the body of Christ. Many people, many individuals coming together in the name of Jesus, to worship Jesus, to, to look to Jesus. And we believe that God pours out his spirit on the church and that God gives gifts. Ultimately, why? Not for us, not for our glory, but for Jesus' glory and the furtherance of his kingdom. Amen? And so we, we want to experience that. We don't want to neglect the spirit. And this is something that is heavy in my heart, and this is something that I really hope God can just do something new in my life and in your life. Again, reading this week and praying over this this week, I feel like every, I just, my, my like, spidey senses came out. You know, when you're reading about the Holy Spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit, I'm like, I'm like ha- actively aware wherever I go, and I, there's something about that. There's something about not just being a drone going through life. 
And there's something about the Holy Spirit awakening this side of you where you realize we're dealing with life and death and eternal matters here. And I think the Spirit just kind of illuminates the, the need and the urgency for the gospel. Amen? So I'm going to read. We're going to read John chapter 14, verse 15 through 26. We're going to read that. And we'll pray. John chapter 14, verse 15. Let's read what Jesus says. He says, this is so good. If you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Verse 19, a little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. Everyone say amen. There we go. <laughs> Verse 20, at, at that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest or make known myself to him. Verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come into him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. Verse 25, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. Before we pray, I'm just going to ask that you guys pray, just for like 15 seconds. And honestly, we just say, God, speak to me. God, I want to know you and I want to know your spirit. Would this be more than just head knowledge and information today? And I'm just ask that you be quiet, bow your head, just take 10 seconds and say, God, speak to me. Speak to me by your spirit. Why don't we all just all do that for a second? Father, we just, um, as we look to the words of your son and hear about how if we love you, we'll keep your word and how you'll make known yourself to us. God, we pray that this morning would just be so much more, again, than just studying the Bible, but Lord, that we would walk in it, walk in your spirit, that you would manifest yourself to us. You'd make known yourself to us, that God, like only you can. God, you just overwhelm us with your love, with your presence. That Jesus, I, I just pray for all of us in here who, who maybe even myself, we just need to lay aside certain thoughts or what we think, and Jesus, we look to you. God, we, we just ask that we would know your spirit firsthand, that, that you would just speak to us, that God, we could just hear from you. So again, we invite you here, God, and just ask that you just speak to us in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. All right, there's two extremes, I, I believe, obviously, when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit. I think we can obviously overemphasize him, and we can underemphasize him. I think when I talk about, again, the topic of the Holy Spirit, some of you get a little freaked out. There's a side of you where it's like, I just hope this doesn't get weird or this doesn't get strange. You know, for maybe you grew up in a church where it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Bible. And you're like, with the Spirit? Like, no, 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 that's a little bit too. And again, 
we love the word of God. We lift up the word of God. But maybe there's a side of it where you go, I, I, I don't necessarily like this. This makes me a little uncomfortable. Maybe for some of you, again, there's another side where you're like, no, this isn't enough. I, like more, more. Like you want there to be a little bit, you know, you want things to be shaken up. For you, you like the chaos, right? You like, you like the people rolling around, slaying in the spirit, barking, laughing. You like that, right? There's a church movement in Canada where people are literally called barking in the spirit. And people are like, yes, I like that. And what is that? Is that biblical? What is that? What does the Bible say about that? Are we going to do that? No, don't worry. But what does that look like? You know, and I think there's some of us that have maybe a, a fear, a fear of experiencing him. And that's something we got to address in our hearts. Like a fear of really encountering the Holy Spirit. And maybe some of you just, you think it's never enough. And it's all about the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting to me sometimes how the people who always talk about the Holy Spirit have very little fruit of the Holy Spirit many times. The people who always talk about the Holy Spirit, it's like, well, where's the love? Where's the grace? If you have the Holy Spirit in you, there will be love. And I think that there's, and I love the person you meet that just like never really talks about the person, the Holy Spirit, but when you look at them, you just see the Spirit in them. You just see God's presence working in them. It doesn't even have to be said or spoken. You just know the Spirit's at work in their life. And, and there's something about this, because guys, here, here we are. We're in 2018, and here's a really strange thought that I wrestled with is we might know, we might, not everyone, but we might know more about the Holy Spirit than the early church did. We might know more verses. We might have a better content. We might know more stories. We can tell you that we have the full counsel of God's word. We might conceptually know the Holy Spirit more, but we probably experience him less. And there's something about that that we need to look at, that maybe we know him, but we don't experience him. Maybe we think we experience him, but we're like, what, what was that? And, and how do I compare this to scripture? And do I see this in scripture? And so we need to look at the personal. And guys, I honestly believe that God wants to do something new and fresh in our church, that the only way we can reach South Florida, the only way we can reach the world is by the power of the spirit. That we can play games, we can entertain, and we can talk, and we can do things, but is the spirit there? You know, I think some, some of us go, man, when the preacher's yelling, the spirit's there. When there's the crescendo of the music, oh, the spirit's there. And it's like, you know, those things aren't bad, but may, maybe we need to look at it differently. You know, maybe we need to approach the topic differently. You know, what, what does God's word say about it? You know, are we desperate for him? There's one quote, and we, we have these books in the back. We bought or, or some more books called Forgotten God, a book by Francis Chan on the Holy Spirit. If you want to get it, it's in the back. But here's what he said. So good. He said, I am convinced. I am convinced there's a desperate need in the church for the Holy Spirit of God to be given room to have his way. I think we can agree that there's a problem in our churches that something is wrong, but I don't think we can reach an agreement on what to do about it. I think we can all agree that he's saying in the Western church, the American church, you know, maybe there's just something awful, but what is that? Like, let's, I don't want to assume, by the way, guys, there's so many churches around the world that you see the Holy Spirit in them. You see the Spirit at work in them, in individuals, corporately. And I think that in America, that's something we maybe struggle with a little bit because we can do church well. People have it down to a science. And maybe we don't really experience him personally, practically. You know, I, this might be weird to actually say it this way, but if I were Satan, <laughs> I think one of my tactics, which is weird to say, I know, but I think one of my tactics would be how can I get the church to ignore the Holy Spirit? How can I get them to trust in themselves, trust in what they know, trust in how good they, they are at certain things? I think there's a side of this where, like, I would try to convince them, like, no, you're doing pretty good. More, there's not more, you, you have enough. And I think there's a side of this we've got to be honest with ourselves and say, no, there, there is more. And how do we embrace that? How do we welcome that? How do we want that? Uh, one author, a guy named A.W. Tozer, who's kind of that fiery preacher guy, maybe you've read him or heard about him before, he said this, so good. He says, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we would do would go on, and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop, and everybody would know the difference. 
That's a scary quote. You think about the early church, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn, where's the book of Acts? And you think about today, just if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the modern church, he goes, maybe people wouldn't know. 95% of the people wouldn't know. This is something where I've honestly had to pray over, confess sin over, and say, God, I need more of you. Now, again, how do we approach the Holy Spirit? Is it all about the Holy Spirit? What's the Holy Spirit's role? What's his work? What does he do? But here's the thing. We do need him. Vance Havner, a great Bible preacher and and teacher, said this. He says, we are not going to move this world by criticism of it, nor conformity to it, but by the combustion within it of our lives ignited by the Holy Spirit of God. The only way we're going to move this world for Jesus is by the presence of God. And so again, as I said this, we will not, this will not be completely exhaustive. We're going to constantly, as we go through the Bible, just see the Spirit at work and talk about him and look at him, but ultimately what his role is and who he points to and how it's not necessarily about him, but who he, how, why he empowers us to, and who he, he empowers us to glorify ultimately. So here's what we're going to look at, all right? Simply today, two things, two things we're going to talk about. Who is the Holy Spirit and, and what does the Holy Spirit do? All right, who is the Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit do? That's it. That's all we're going to look at. All right. And again, I, there's no way I can just be like, let me just tell you everything about God, the Spirit. It's going to be, I'm going to try to give you as best as I can, in a sense, like a theology of the Holy Spirit. So who's Holy Spirit? First one, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? First thought I want to share with you guys is this. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. You're like, what? Just read with me in John chapter 14, verse 16. Again, John 14, verse 16. John 14, verse 16. Jesus says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. Okay? The Holy Spirit is not a force. Jesus says he, him. The Holy Spirit is a he. I don't believe the Holy Spirit likes to be called an it. I think we should be aware of that. How would you like it if I called you an it? Oh, it's talking. Oh, it's looking at me. Oh, it's so cute. None of you would really like that very much. If I called my wife an it, it would be over, right? We can't do that. We, we, shouldn't, we should avoid those. I really do believe we should avoid those terms because those terms do communicate something. He is, a, he is a, yes, God the Spirit. He's Spirit. But we see these characteristics of a person. Now, when I say person, I do not mean person like he has fingers and toes. And When I say person, I mean he speaks, he acts, he thinks, he has a will. You see, we got to get away from this 2018, almost like, may the force be with me, the spirit be with you. Like, I think there's almost a side where we like look at it as like a Star Wars, like, oh, this, I can feel it emanating. And it's like, no, th- stop. The Star Wars thing has infiltrated the church in many ways when it comes to the Holy Spirit. He's a person. He's, listen, he's not a force that we understand or experience. He's a person to know. You see, there's something we need to know, like, just like I know my wife, you know your friends, we know each other, like, we need to know him. Know him. What is, what is his will? What is, what is he, how does he move and speak and act, and what does that look like to, to us? Again, here's what I want to point out, because if we view the Holy Spirit only as a force, the, the question in our heart will be, how can I get more of this power? If you view the Holy Spirit as a force, you'll start to think, how can I get more of it? That's what you'll think. How can I get more of this power? When you view him as a person, you think, how can he have more of me? And there's a major difference. Because he's not some, por- some power we just access. It's not, it's not, it's not as limited. It's, he's a person to know. He's a person we say, I want you to have me. I'm giving you my, my body, my mind, my will. You work through me. What is it you, and get to know him, him. We need to know the, the Holy Spirit in this way. So when I say the Holy Spirit is a person, here's also what I'm, I'm trying to say. He has characteristics of a person, all right? 
He has characteristics of a person. So I'm going to give you a few. We'll throw them up here, but I want you to think about this. And just, we'll walk through this kind of quickly. But when I say he, he has characteristics of a person, think about that. He speaks, he thinks, he acts, he has a will. Uh, the Bible says he can be insulted. He can be insulted. Okay? I cannot insult the wind. I cannot insult electricity. All right, you can't do that. My son, Micah, I think it's hilarious. When we go outside and it's really windy and something like blows out of his hand, he goes, stop it, wind! Like he yells at the wind. And I'm like, he's like, wind, no! I'm like, Micah, no, it doesn't work that way. Like he thinks you can yell at the wind and like, it's like, oh man, I hurt Micah's feelings. No, he's not, the Holy Spirit is not a force. He's a person. He can be insulted, unlike the wind. Unlike electricity. He can be insulted. So here's some of the verses and examples. We'll just them up here. As you can see, characteristics of a person, he can be insulted. He has a mind. He has emotions. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. He has a will. He leads. He guides. All of these are just a few examples of, of a personality. The person of the Spirit in this way. And we've got to understand him that way. What is the Spirit's will? According to 1 Corinthians 12, he pours out gifts according to his will. The way he determines. He has a will. He has his own will, all right? Next, the same idea that he has characteristics of a person. Let me point this out in the scriptures. He has names and titles. He has names, he has a name and titles. Many names, many titles. Again, you don't call forces, like you don't say Mr. Electricity, President Wind, how are you today? Like you don't do that. They don't have names and titles, but the Holy Spirit does have many, many names and titles. And I want you to hear this. Can we just enjoy this? I don't want this again, just be information. I'm trying to point out that the Holy Spirit is a person, yes but I want to also enjoy those titles and enjoy this for a second. He's called the Comforter. The Eternal Spirit has no beginning, no end. The Free Spirit, the Good Spirit, the Power of the Highest, the Spirit of Adoption, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Counsel, the Spirit of Glory, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Grace, thank you, Jesus, the Spirit of Holiness, the Spirit of Judgment, the spirit of knowledge, the spirit of life, the spirit of might, the spirit of prophecy, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of the Father, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord God, the spirit of the Son, the spirit of truth, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of wisdom. There's just a few. Um, I want us to understand who he is. He has names, he has titles, he has roles in our life, and, and we need to know him this way. Again, he's not someone that we fear. Like, what is he going to do to me? We see him as his comforter. We're going to talk about what he does in a second. We've we got to see his position. He's a person. And not only is he a person, but let me just make it really clear. You say, who is the Holy Spirit? He is God. He is God. We've got to understand that he is God. Why? Well, there's many reasons. He's called God. Let's just start there. Um, I want to give you a verse. I want you to, we read it in John 14. And please, like, if you have a Bible, circle this. Remember this. Don't forget this. It is really important. Here's just the first one, just from our text, and we'll have more. When I say the Spirit is God, he's called God. Uh, look at John 14, verse 16. John 14, verse 16. What does it say? It says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. All right, say another Another. All right, what does this mean? Why does this matter? Another. Another helper. Here's the idea and why this is important. Um, there's two words in the Greek for another, and they really do have significance meanings, and we're not going to always use the Greek, it's not, but it's necessary here. There's this word alas, where it talks about the idea of another of the same kind, and heteros, another of a different kind. So the idea would be the idea that Jesus is saying, he says, I will give you another of the same kind, like me. Another of me. I'm going to give you another of the same kind. Not a different kind, not another, like a different kind of another. 
It's another, but it's a different. It's, I'm gonna give you the same kind. So, for example, stupid illustration. If my wife made me a batch of cookies, chocolate chip cookies, I'm like, oh, so good, and I eat the whole batch because I do this all the time. It's bad. I have a really big problem. And I eat the whole batch, and I'm like, oh my gosh, can you make me another batch? And she makes me another batch, but this time they're oatmeal raisin. I'd be like, I said another batch, another of the same kind, a chocolate chip, not another of a different kind, not another of oatmeal raisin. No, I said another of the same kind. Right? This idea that Jesus uses the word another for us might not seem significant, but it's very significant in the original language, saying he's another of the same kind, my equal. Jesus, who just before this in John 14 said what? I and my father are one. Jesus, who said before Abraham was, I am. Jesus, who constantly claimed deity. Jesus, who says, I am God in the flesh, who talked in this way, and he says, I'm going to send you another of the same kind. He would not elevate the Spirit this way unless he's God himself. He's called God. Again, there's other verses. I'll give you 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 17. Listen to this verse. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Think about the Lord is Spirit. It's a big claim. You go, what? I thought Jesus is Lord. Yeah. But the Spirit's Lord? Yeah. How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is Lord. The Spirit is Lord. And he's transformed us into the same image. He's transformed us into the, the image of Jesus. Are we going to be God? And of course not. But when we see him, we'll be like him, John says. And he's transforming us and he's working in us. We're going to talk about that more in the, the Holy Spirit in our day-to-day life. We'll talk more about how he does this. Yes. But we need to see that he is, he is Lord. He is God. One more verse for you guys. It's in the book of Acts. Maybe remember the story. The early church is like booming. People are getting saved left and right. People are experiencing the power of God. And if you remember, there's this couple, like everyone's, it says they're bringing their goods, they're bringing their, their possessions to the church, to the elders, and saying, here it is, like, use this for the kingdom of God. And people are at work, and they're stirring their hearts. And this couple named Ananias and Sapphira, they're like, they sell their land, and they're saying, hey, we gave you all of our land. All the proceeds from the land, you get all of it. They really didn't. That's the problem. Not that you have to give that everything. Like, not that that is the case, a blanket statement of giving everything. But it, they said, here's everything we made from the land, and here it is. But it really wasn't everything. They held back part of the proceeds, and they lied, and they lied to them, and they lied to God. And, and here's what Peter says to them in Acts chapter 5, verse 3. He says, and Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie, listen, to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Verse 4, he says, you have not lied to men, but to God. And maybe you remember the story that dropped on dead and his wife comes in. And yeah, uh, it's pretty intense. So here's the idea. He goes, you've not lied to men, but you've lied to God. You've lied to the spirit. You've lied to God. And, and there's this example after example of this. I mean, we sang one of those creeds. We have the Apostles' Creeds, the Nicene Creeds. Here's some of the creeds simply put up here. Uh, one of the creeds, the Apostles' Creed says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Confession of faith. It's like, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Nicene Creed, for the past couple thousand years, we've been saying this. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. He is God. The Holy Spirit is God. And we'll talk about the confusing, confusing part of the Trinity in a second. But he's God. And I want to point out one more quote to you. Like, well, what if, he, if he's not God, how does this work? And how does he play a part in salvation? He is so essential to, to the work of salvation, which we'll talk about next week. But I want you to hear this quote by uh, John Feinberg. He says, As to the Holy Spirit, if he is not fully God, the implications for salvation are again serious. Scripture teaches that the Holy Spirit regenerates believers and indwells and fills them. But if the Holy Spirit is a lesser God or no God at all, 
How can we be sure that he can do any of these things? Moreover, unless he is co-equal in being and purpose with the Father and the Son, what guarantees that even if he tried to do such things, the Father and the Son would recognize his actions as appropriate and relate to us accordingly? His example is, man, if he's not God, then salvation, how does that work? And would God really receive that? He's God. The Holy Spirit's God. And we even point this out. He has the attributes of God in scriptures. And this is important. There's something in the Bible, and we used certain terms, and I don't want to confuse you, but there's something called the communicable attributes of God and the non-communicable attributes of God. Let me not confuse you. Think about this. There's attributes of God that communicable, community that he shares with us. So God is love. We can be loving. God is merciful. We can be merciful. There are certain attributes of God that God shares with us. The communicable attributes of God. If that makes sense, give me a little nod. I know the communicable, the community attributes of God. He shares. Then there's non-communicable attributes. There's non-community. Sorry for talking like that. But there's non-communicable attributes of God. There's non-community attributes, meaning God is uh, self-existent. He does not share that with us. We are born. We are created. Uh, God is omnipotent. He has all power. We, we don't. There's certain attributes only reserved for God. Here are some of the attributes of God described to the Holy Spirit. It says he is eternal. Hebrews 9.24, he's eternal. No beginning, no end. He's all-powerful. He has all power. He's omnipotent. He's everywhere present. Right? Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? I can't flee your presence. Where can I go? He is all-knowing. 1 Corinthians 2, first, uh, chapter 2, verse 10 through 11 talks about he's all-knowing. He's omniscient. There are attributes of God that are only for God, and the Holy Spirit has those attributes. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is God. Now, let's get to this third part. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Now, if you're sitting here going, Josiah, help me understand the Trinity. I, I have the same. Can you help me? This is, this is difficult. Um, I, I don't want to pretend like this is easy. I don't want to pretend that it's simple. We're talking about the mystery of God. We will fall short in our illustrations. I think the illustrations always fall short. Someone's like, oh, the egg. Like, nah. Like, the, all the illustrations fall short of God. <laughs> all right. It, it's very difficult to talk about this. Uh, a guy named St. Augustine or St. Augustine said, he goes, you try to uh, explain, or you try to deny the Holy Spirit, you lose your soul. You try to explain the Holy Spirit, you lose your mind. And it's so true. And so it's like, how do we, how do I do that? So I'm going to try to do neither. So who, 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 is, who is God? We worship one God, one God, who eternally exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy 6 says, Hero Israel, the Lord of God, the Lord of God is one. We worship one God. We are monotheists. We worship one God. From beginning to end, though, God is described as this community. And it is, diffi- it is difficult. In the beginning, God, the first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, Elohim. And it's this word that him makes it plural. But it's one. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. It's, it is one of those things where we're trying, like, if I could try to give you illustrations that I've heard as a child. Again, I, I won't do that because they fall short. And, and it doesn't just, it doesn't fit. It just doesn't, it does not work. And this is so important, though. The topic of the Trinity is so, so important. It distinguishes us between us and a cult, between us and other religions. You know, whether maybe it's Islam, Muslims don't believe Jesus is God, right? Or Mormons, they believe, they're polytheists. They believe in many gods, or there's something called modalism, and this is actually in the church many times, and it is heretical. Modalism teaches that there's one God who, who just presents himself in three different persons. He puts on like God the Father hat, God the Son hat, God the Holy Spirit hat. No, no, there's three distinct persons. We do got to be aware of modalism because that's in many churches and many a certain denomination. And we should be aware of how that can really influence our teaching or the way we view God. We see that we worship one God who eternally exists in three persons. And it is very difficult. You're like Josiah, but I'm pretty good at math. One plus one plus one is three. I, yeah? But can I tell you, one times one times one is one. 
There's the only way I can try to even try to fathom it is one times one times one is one. The answer is one, but there's three individual ones, but it's still one. I, I don't know. That's the only way I can try to somehow grasp it a little bit, and that still doesn't really work. But I think we worship one God who eternally exists in three persons. And there's perfect love and community and order and equality within the Trinity, but also, in a sense, a, a way of not hierarchy, but a way that the Son submits to the Father and the Spirit to the Son, but we do see them having all the same attributes and working together. And it is beautiful, and I'll say this. This, you, this when I was like 17 years old, I was like, okay, I want to see, where's the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? Do that. Where's the Holy Spirit in, in the, every book? About, do that. Like, get into that. It's, it's beautiful, and it's, it also changes how we relate to God. That in many ways, God made us, you know, mind, soul, and spirit. And you can see how we can relate to God in just such a unique way. That we see, we see that, I love how First Thessalonians 5 says, glorify God in your body, soul, and spirit, which are his. That God is trinity, and man seems to be trichotomy, that we relate to God in this unique way. And there, there's something about this. And I'd say, get to know God. Get to know God the Father. Get to know God the Son. Get to know God the Spirit. We should. We, sh- we should talk about him more. We should look at him more. F- a couple verses just for you really quick. Um, that I want you to like, where's the Holy Spirit together? How do I know? Again, it's not maybe three different modes. Where's the Holy Spirit together? When Jesus died and rose again, and he's saying, hey guys, disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Maybe you know this verse. Matthew 28, 19, he says this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the name singular. Not in the names of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That'd make more sense grammatically. But he's like, no, no, in the name. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God who eternally exists three different persons. And this is still something that we, our minds are trying to gr- grasp. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Paul said, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. And you see that whenever you see in the scriptures, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, the Father, you see them talked about in the same category. That they're not, they're not going to have one ele- elevated, like, they're not going to elevate the Holy Spirit if he's not God. We see him being just called God in the community of God, and we see Jesus being baptized, and the Father from heaven says, this is my son, and the Holy Spirit descends upon him, and we see three distinct persons. We see this throughout the Bible. So we, we want to make clear, because I know this is so well, I'll summarize, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a person in the sense that he's a personality. He thinks, he acts, he speaks, he has a will. He moves. Get to know him. He's not a force. Get to know him, the person of the Holy Spirit. Just like we want to know Jesus. And I know it's easier for us to conceptualize God the Father because you can conceptualize a father. I know it's easy to understand Jesus because God took on flesh. And we can conceptualize Jesus a little better. And God the Spirit seems to be kind of like this mystery in our mind a little bit. And I would say get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. Get to know his heart, his will. Get to know him. And we also see that he's fully God. We said he's fully God, who has the attributes of God, who is called God. Amen? And now we're going to say, what does he do? What does the Holy Spirit do? And how do, I, how do you answer this in like 10 minutes? Right? So what does the Holy Spirit do? There's so many things we could talk about, and they're going to spend more time in this series. But here's some main things. I want you to see this. Here's some of the main things Jesus even says the Holy Spirit does. Here's the first one. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. Can we just acknowledge that the Holy Spirit points to Jesus? The Holy Spirit is all about, don't look at me, look at him. He's the savior of the world. He's the substitute for mankind. The Holy Spirit is about Jesus. Here's two verses. John chapter 15. If you want to turn there, you can. It's a page over. John 15. It says this, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. The Holy Spirit's role, what does he do? He goes, look at Jesus. He testifies of Jesus. Another verse, uh, John chapter 16, verse 14. Jesus says, He will glorify me, for he'll take of what is mine and declare it to you. 
He will glorify me. You wonder who's the Holy Spirit? What does he do? He points to Jesus. And this is so important for us to, because we need to build our theology, honestly, on this point, first and foremost. The Holy Spirit glorifies and points and testifies of Jesus. He's pointing to Jesus. He's, he's talking about Jesus. He's doing something in our hearts where you say, you need Jesus. Like, yeah, what is that? You need someone to fill this eternal void in your heart. What is, that is the Holy Spirit pointing you to Jesus. And this is so important for us. One author called the Holy Spirit, he's like a floodlight. You know a floodlight? You think about Washington Monument, right? And there's these floodlights all around it pointing at this monument. And what's happening? You see the monument. You don't see the floodlights. You actually have no idea where the floodlights are, really. Like, are they underground? Are they, where are they? You don't really see them. You don't know them. You see them, what they're pointing at. And the idea is the job of the floodlight is not to bring attention to the floodlight, but to the thing it's pointing at. And he says the Holy Spirit is like a floodlight. I think that's a good example. Just pointing to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. See, the problem is many times when the church only focuses on the Holy Spirit, like, mm, is that a spirit-filled church? You want to know how a spirit-filled church? They're pointing to Jesus. Do we understand that? That the Holy Spirit's role is saying, look to Jesus. I'm going to glorify Jesus. I'm going to testify of Jesus. If there's only communication about the Holy Spirit, if there's only communication, listen, if there's only communication ever where it's about, you need to do this, do this, do this, do this, there's, there's a time and place for that. But if there's this emphasis on you, and you, and you, and you, and you, that might be a lack of spirit-filled teaching. Because spiritual teachings be like, Jesus, 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 look to Jesus, fall in love with Jesus, get to know Jesus. There's something about the Holy Spirit that says, I can't stop talking about Jesus. He's going to testify of Jesus, speak to Jesus, look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus. The Holy Spirit's there to point to Jesus. This is so important. You know, even guys who maybe are more on the charismatic end, who people read and study, one guy named C.J. Mahoney, he said this, I thought it was good. Listen to this. He said, all gifts from God, all gifts from God, including the gifts of the Spirit, are intended to direct our attention to Jesus and create fresh affection for Jesus. People want to focus and only talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And, like, and that, there's a time we need to do that. We need to and we will. Of course we need to. The Bible does. But the purpose of the gifts is even to grow and create an affection for Jesus. If it's not bringing you closer to Jesus, is it the Spirit? If it's not growing you in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus, is it the Spirit? He's going to testify of Jesus. Amen? He's going to point to Jesus. Amen? Would you agree? Yes? The Charles Spurgeon, we call him the prince of preachers. This guy who's just like, he's such a way with words. I wish I could talk like him, but it makes sense because like 1800s uh, old English. He, he says this. So good. Listen to this. He says, I sometimes wonder, <laughs> and this is how I feel. I sometimes wonder that you do not get tired of my preaching because I do nothing but hammer away at this one nail. That one nail is the glorious news that our glorious Savior paid it all in our place. And in response, he is worthy of our highest devotion and greatest service. He's like, this is all I'm doing. Hey, look at Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. He's like, the one nail I'm constantly hammering is the, the finished work of the cross. What Jesus did for us on our behalf. And, and there's something about that, you guys, we're always going to go back to Jesus. The Holy Spirit in us, we're going to say, do you know Jesus? The Holy Spirit is going to move our hearts for love and affection for Jesus. Amen? If you're not growing in affection for Jesus, maybe you don't have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in your life will grow this affection for Jesus, love for Jesus, this dependency on Jesus. He'll testify of me. He'll glorify me. He'll speak of me. He'll remind you of all the things I taught you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's just trying to bring attention to Jesus. And what else, though? Where do I, again, where do I begin? Let me say this. What does the Holy Spirit do? Let me just say this. He dwells with you. A simple way of putting something that the Holy Spirit does, and we'll talk about this in a second, but look at John chapter 14, um, verse 17 first. He says, but you know him, you know the Holy Spirit, for he dwells with you and will be in you. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit being in us, those who believe in Jesus, next week. The Holy Spirit is with us, and he dwells in us when you believe upon him. You're sealed by the Spirit. 
But let me say this, the Holy Spirit is with you. John chapter 14, verse 16, the verse before, he says, I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. He is with you. Jesus said the world doesn't know him. It doesn't see him or understand him, but he's with you. I need to say this, the Holy Spirit is with you. This is so comforting for me. When Jesus says, I will send you another helper, you can circle the word because it's not a fair translation. It's this word parakletos or parakletos, whatever. But this idea of helper is this word, and it's, we don't know how to translate it. Para means like with. Uh, kletos means to help or come alongside or be there. It's almost like he's, I will send you another, maybe your translation says comforter. Maybe yours says an advocate. There's so many ways we could talk about this. Eugene Peterson, author, says he's your friend. He comes alongside you and helps. He's a friend. He's described as a friend, and yet he has all the power in the universe. He's a friend. He's your helper. He's your comforter. He's your advocate. He's your ally. He speaks to you. He's with you. He speaks for you. There's something about knowing the Holy Spirit is with us. That Jesus says, you will not be orphans. You will not be orphans. I'm with you, but I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. He's with you. He's walking beside you. And there's something, Christians, where we got to hear this. There's something about knowing Jesus is with you and then knowing Jesus is with you. And it's hard to even put into words. You know, so for example, my son is starting to comprehend, like I talked about last week, maybe the death and some of these big topics. And it's funny. So he's understanding, like, he, I'm like, Micah, do you know I love you? He's like, yeah, daddy. Like, he knows, he knows. But then there's times where I get to pick him up and I get to just kiss him and, and like, bite his neck. And I know it sounds weird, but I do that. I get to kiss him and bite his cheeks, his neck, and I get in there, and I get in the belly, and you have that deep laugh. And it's like, and there's times where Micah knows I love him. He, he knows I'm with him. Sometimes he thinks, like, are you going to leave? Like, he like, asks, you're not leaving, are you? Like, no, what are you talking about? But there's like, but then he knows, like, he knows I'm with him. And there's something, guys, listen, please listen. I don't know how this works. I don't. But there's something about, there's times in our life where God just reminds you, I'm with you. And it's almost as if he overwhelms you with his love and his presence. It's almost as if he picks you up and just, just I don't know, just surrounds you with his nearness, that he's there, and you just go, I know you're with me. There's something about, we can read this and go, I know he's with me, but then you can know he's with you. That God's like, I just want to wrap you in my arms and let you know I'm there and I love you and I'm with you and I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. And there's something so incredibly humbling knowing that God of the universe is always, always with us. And there's times where God reminds you of that and there's times you don't feel that. There's going to be a lot of those times you don't feel that. And there's going to be times where you realize we're walking by faith, not by sight or not by emotions. But you're, we're going to have to see this, that we, he, he will. There will be times, guys, we need to experience the Holy Spirit. Some of you are afraid of feelings. <laughs> you know who you are. You're like, oh, I don't want to talk about feelings. Like, how dare there's God, If God is in your life, there's going to be a feeling. <laughs> how could there not be? There's going to be, anyone who's ever encountered God is like, uh, woe is me. And they drop to their face. There's going to be some sort of emotional experience. It's okay. It's all right. In case you fear those emotions, the guys. It's okay. There's going to be those times where God's presence just overwhelms you and he's with you. And I do want to just speak to the Christians for a second. Because I think this is important. Let me just, talk to you guys. When I say he's with you, what is he doing? What is he doing? Jesus calls him the spirit of truth. Jesus says he's going to teach you all the things that I've taught you, bring them to your remembrance. Can I say this, that he's with you? Can I, can I tell you something that there's a side of the Holy Spirit's job is to just simply reveal truth to us. When there's lies going through our minds or our hearts and that person thinks this way of you, and that, can I tell you there's a spirit of truth? Say, know who you are. You are mine and you are loved. And he's going to reveal truth to you and bring you to truth. Jesus said in John 6, 63, I think my words are spirit and they are life. There's something about the spirit of truth. Listen, think about this. The spirit of truth. He says my words are spirit and they are life. And there's something about the spirit just bringing life to you. There's something about him revealing truth to you. Know that the Holy Spirit authored the Bible. 
The Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. We'll put it this way. Peter said it this way. It's in First uh, Peter or Second Peter chapter one. He says, "For the prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they are moved by the Holy Spirit." We know that God's word is penned or authored ultimately by the Holy Spirit. Anything they wrote to the pen is because God's Spirit was was moving in them to do so. My my point is the Spirit is truth. There is something about, guys, there's something about you tasting and seeing the Lord is good. I can tell you all day long that Reese's are my favorite, especially the Christmas tree ones that are extra peanut buttery. I can tell you all these things all day long, and you'd be like, yeah, they're, they're good, I swear, they're so good. And you're like, okay. But then there's something about tasting and seeing, and you go, oh my gosh, this is so good. Like, I know. There's something about the spirit of truth becoming a, not just, again, I love that the spirit is objective truth. Like, look at him, look at Jesus. There's objective side to this, so we need to look at him and come to the same conclusion. But there's also a subjective side that's beautiful. Subjective is not bad. There's a side of where God wants to illuminate your heart and say the spirit is truth. He'll reveal truth. He'll make God known to you. There's something about the spirit making God's presence just manifest. Jesus even said that. If you love me, I'll manifest my presence to you. What is that? There's a spirit of God just making known Jesus to you in a very real sense, and I don't understand that fully, and I'm saying you have to experience it. You have to taste and see. You have to experience that. Christians, listen to this too. We read a big section in John 14 where Jesus is like, if you love me, you'll keep my word, you'll, you'll keep my word, you'll walk in my word, you'll know my word. Can I tell you the Spirit helps you keep the word of Jesus to just obey the word? When you're disobeying the word of God, you're not disobeying doctrine, you're disobeying a person. Understand that. When God's word says something, you're like, I'm not going to do that. You're not disobeying just, just words on a page. You're disobeying a real person behind those words. There's just something about the Spirit just coming, walk with Jesus, know Jesus, love. If you love Jesus, it'll just naturally keep us, it'll be natural. I love my wife, I just naturally want to love her, serve her. I don't want to abuse her, take advantage of her. It'll just na- if you love someone, you'll just, you'll just want to follow. The Holy Spirit helps that. Christians, the Holy Spirit is with you. He's with you. It's beautiful. To non-Christians, I want to tell you something Jesus said in John 16, and I think this is just as beautiful. It's in John chapter 16. Would everyone just turn there? John chapter 16. John 16, look at verse 8. John 16, verse 8. Jesus says, and when, this, when he has come, when the Spirit has come, listen, when the Spirit has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they don't believe in me. Of sin because, here, here's what I want you to hear really quick. Jesus is like, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He, he did that. What is the Holy Spirit doing right now? with the world, with the world. He's convicting the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. We'll focus on the first one, of sin, because they don't believe in Jesus. Can I just point something out? By the way, I, I love this thought. The Holy Spirit's saying, know what you need right now? You need Jesus. The Holy Spirit's not convicting the world and be like, hey, smoking, uh-uh. Like, it's, he's not convicting the world, but you probably shouldn't say that word. Can I tell you? It's much bigger than that. It's much greater than that. He's saying, you need Jesus. You need someone to fulfill your every desire of your heart. Here's where I think we can, as a church, go wrong. We're almost surprised when, when sinners sin. We're surprised when non-Christians are not like Christian. Like, why aren't you like Christian? Well, I'm not one. Oh, like we're surprised. The Holy Spirit is not saying don't do this little small thing that he's saying you need Jesus. There is something much bigger in your life. The issue is not these minor sins that we can see the fruit of that. There's the root of the problem, and the root of the problem is that you do not know Jesus. Okay, so the Spirit is saying, I'm convicting, Jesus said he's going to convict the world of sin. The sin that he's convicting them of is they don't believe in Jesus. So can I tell you something? There's something already happening in people's hearts. We don't need to focus on those minor tree, fruit, sins, get to the root of it and be like, I know what the real issue is, and you do too. That there's a God that you're made by him and for him, and you're not satisfied because you're not knowing this God and walking the person that you don't know him, and you're not pointing to, point to Jesus, bring it back to Jesus. That is what the Spirit's doing. He's at work in that way. I need to say it this way. You cannot know God apart from the Spirit. Christian or non-Christian, you cannot know God apart from the Spirit. The only way we know God is through his Spirit. 
We knew him through the spirit, even of understanding his word. You're like, Josiah, what are you talking about? First Corinthians chapter two, verse 10, read this. We'll put it up here. It says, but God, listen, God has revealed them to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man, which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You cannot know God apart from the Spirit of God. For Christians and non-Christians alike, if you want to know God, you're going to know through the Spirit. If you're like, I don't believe yet, the Spirit's drawing you right now to God. Can I tell you right now, the Spirit I believe right now is pursuing some of you very proactively. He's showing you, listen, you need Jesus. You know that Jesus is the answer. You know that you're not finding satisfaction in sex and alcohol and drugs and women. You're not finding satisfaction in any of that. You know that you're created for Jesus and by Jesus. Enjoy him. Get to know him. That's where you'll find true satisfaction. That's where you'll find true meaning. And you, some of you are experiencing that and you're ignoring that and you're trying to resist that and say, I don't want that. I don't want to hear that. I, don't want, I know that in theory, but I don't want that. There's a verse in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, where God says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. There's, there's a side of this where you got to understand, if God's speaking to you, please hear his voice. If God's moving your heart, don't ignore it. You know, there's a guy named Stephen in the book of Acts chapter 7. He's the first Christian who's martyred for his faith in Jesus. Maybe you guys know Stephen. And Stephen, read Acts 7. It's a long chapter in Acts, very long, 50-something verses. And he's basically walking from Moses' story up until the time of Jesus. He's walking through the gospel. It's beautiful. It's like crazy, awesome sermon. Long, long, it's a big sermon. He's given this beautiful illustration of who God is and what he came to do. And he's talking to these Pharisees. He's talking to the Jews. And here's what he says to them in Acts 7, verse 51. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. That would have got to them. Like, yeah, you're circumcised physically, but not in the heart. You stiff-necked people, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. God is speaking to you. God is moving in your life, and you're still resisting him. Why are you resisting him? God says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Listen, please, if God is convicting you, if God is saying, look to Jesus, believe in Jesus, surrender to Jesus, do not resist him. And for some of you who think you're Christians, and you think you're following Jesus, maybe you're running from Jesus. Maybe you're aware of Jesus mentally, but you haven't really known him. And I would say this, believe in Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. Know him as you would your best friend, a parent, a spouse. Know him with great intimacy. Do not resist the Holy Spirit saying, yeah, your life's out of order. Yeah, things are out of order in your life. Do not resist that. Do not say, no, 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 he's speaking to someone else right now. Definitely not me. Do not think that for a second. This is God saying, I love you and I want deep communion with you and that's going to be through the Spirit. God's Spirit is working your life right now. And for a little do you know, he's been working your life for a long time. Random people praying for you, random people talking to you, random people introducing Jesus to you, and God's been doing something a long time. Do not resist the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, he's with us as believers. He's with the world, convicting them of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. Of sin, their sin is this. They don't believe in Jesus. It's not all these other small, minor things. They just need Jesus. That will fix it. Get to the root of the problem. They need Jesus. And I believe the Spirit's doing that, and he's at work. You know, Jesus said something so curious to me so frustrating to me, actually, in John chapter 16, verse 7. And maybe you read it or saw it or thought about it before, but look at John 16, verse 7. John 16, verse 7. Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. I'm like, okay, here we go. He always says it's the truth, but it's like, you better pay attention. It is to your advantage that I go away. Huh? For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. I don't get this. This is hard for me, and I'm sure it's hard for the disciples. He says, hey guys, it's, it's really beneficial. Think about this phrase. It's to your advantage. This is really good for you that I leave. 
in what scenario is it good that Jesus leaves? Like, if I was like, hey guys, what scenario is it good that Jesus leaves? You're like, uh, a none, right? That's that'd be your thought. He goes, no, no, it's good for me to leave. Why? Because if I leave, I can send you the helper. And we see him do that. But let me kind of explain that because, again, we would probably, if I asked you, hey, would you rather have Jesus like right here or the Holy Spirit? I probably most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, big like, Jesus, right? Like, how cool would it be? You're like, I have a headache, Jesus. Hey, man. You know? <laughs> Like, or like, you know, you're with Jesus on a walk and your dog gets by a car and you're like, oh, Jesus. And he's like, Fido live. You're like, yes. Or your cat gets by a car and he's like, I can do the funeral. Just kidding. I don't like cats. Um, <laughs> but it, it, how great would it be to just say, Jesus is with me. He's like, Jesus is right here. But here's, here's what I want us to see. Jesus says it's to your advantage. I go away. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will be with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. That is so hard. Guys, it's been said this way. But the Spirit is to us now what Jesus was to disciples then. And that's hard for me. That's difficult for me. I feel like I'd access Jesus much more if he was present, but I have the Holy Spirit who's present, and I, do I access it? Do I know him? Do I walk with him? You know, one author put it this way, better is the Spirit inside you than Jesus beside you. Is that not what Jesus said? He said, it's better. It's to your advantage. Because guess why? The Spirit can be with all of you. Jesus took on flesh. Jesus took on limitations. He goes, guess what, though? I'm sending the Spirit that can be with all of you at every point in time. It's to your advantage that I go away. It is so difficult for me to hear that. Here's where I want to end us with a couple thoughts. A guy named Arthur Pink wrote a book on the Holy Spirit, and he said this, Oh, my readers, face the solemn fact that the greatest lack of all in Christendom today is the absence of the Holy Spirit's power and blessing. Because this is the greatest issue in the church today is maybe the absence of the Holy Spirit's presence. This is something where I hope we as people can agree and take on and say, God, guys, again, the Spirit is not someone to fear. I've, I had to address a lot of fears in my heart this week. The Spirit is someone who's that parakletos, the advocate. He comes alongside, he's help, he helps, he teaches, he brings to remembrance. He's the Spirit of truth, he illuminates. He's pointing to Jesus. He is good. He is the good Spirit. He is the Spirit of the Lord. This is a good, that we need him more. How dare we think that here we are, we have the full counsel of God's word, we don't need the spirit. No, we need the spirit. We desperately need the spirit. The spirit of God illuminates this to make it more than words on a page to us, but to pierce our heart with it. Because when we read this book and we say, when we hear the verse, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, many times it doesn't feel like that when you read it. There's something about the Holy Spirit, though, when, you're, when you are praying, when, when the Holy Spirit decides to, as he wills, as you read the word of God, and you just go, oh my gosh, that, that is real. Jesus is, Jesus, do people know that Jesus is real? And you're like, yeah. Like, the Spirit just kind of illuminates many things in your hearts and makes it so real and personal. And how we need the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, my life, your life, the church, the world, how we need him, amen? How we should seek him, Jesus talks about. We'll talk about that more. How we should pray and ask for the Holy Spirit. How this should be something we love and embrace, the person and work of the Holy Spirit how we desperately need him. One more quote from this book, Forgotten God by Francis Chan. He said this, the reality is that the early church knew less about the Holy Spirit than most of us in the church today, at least in the intellectual sense. But they came to know the Spirit intimately and powerfully as he worked in and through their lives. All through the New Testament, we read of the apostles whose lives were led by the Spirit and lived out by his power. Let us be that church again. Let us pray for that. Let us seek that. Let us want that. Let us embrace that. Can I say there's something, yes, there's something about spirit-filled teaching or preaching where it's pointing to Jesus, but there is something about spirit-filled listening. There's something about coming with an expectant heart saying, God, I expect you to speak to me because this book is living. Please listen. Let's approach this next five weeks plus forever more with a spirit-filled listening. God, this is your word. God, you speak. God, your spirit wrote this book. 
Your spirit, in a sense, just like your spirit hovered over the waters, your spirit hovers over this word, the true water for my soul, and God illuminate to, illuminate it to me, bring it to life to me. Let's have spirit-filled listening where God can speak and move in your heart. Amen? He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church as God is wanting to speak and move. Let me just end with this thought again. Guys, for our church, the exchange, there is more. There is more. There's more for us to experience. There's more for us to know. There's more for us to just enjoy him. There's more. There's more God wants to take you to in your Christian life and journey. Some of you are satisfied with this knee-deep water, this waist-deep water. God says there's more. There's more. God wants you to enjoy the person and work of the Spirit. God wants you to know Jesus through the person of the Spirit. Amen? Church, there's more. Let's experience. Let's pray. Let's ask. We're going to close our time now. We're going to end with some worship. We're going to close with a couple announcements and and some things to share with you guys. But let us be people that are just aware of our need for the Spirit. And I'm asking you guys in community groups throughout the week, just you say, God, fill me. I need you more. Help me be aware of my work life and my daily life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just, um, in many ways, we don't know what to say other than we need you. God, please be in this place. Please fill us with love, with joy, that God, just where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. God, there is enjoyment of you. God, there's this, this community of grace where your spirit is. <laughs> Lord, let us be people of love, of grace. God, let us enjoy you. Let us walk in victory over sin. Let us not say with our lips we know you and with our actions deny you. No more. Lord, fill us with your spirit, we ask. Let us display the fruit of the spirit because your spirit is working deep into the dark crevices of our heart and just transforming it. God, do something new for the Christians, myself included, who who just because they know verses think they know you, God, just remind us, Lord, we need to know you. Just speak to our hearts, Jesus, in your wonderful and precious name. Amen.